electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Stocks look to get back some losses as Speaker Pelosi departs Taiwan. Yields climb on this flurry of hawkish Fed speak. Lots of corporate results. Starbucks to SoFi, AMD to Airbnb, and OPEC with a smaller production hike than many expected. Our roadmap begins with AMD shares getting chipped on earnings. A week after Intel shares plunged post results. Robinhood, the latest company to cut jobs, announcing it will reduce headcount again, this time by about 23%. And PayPal's jumping in the pre-market. Elliott confirms that $2 billion stake in the company. Let's begin with corporate earnings. We mentioned AMD, Starbucks, Airbnb, Jim. AMD, um, I guess if the notion was they're truly killing Intel, some argue this should have been better. Okay, so let's get right to it. First of all, I have Lisa Sue on tonight, uh, who's the uh, implacable CEO. Uh, they did not guide down. There are analysts who think they did guide down. This is not true. The next quarter they guided down. They have a five nanometer chip that the Titans want. Those are the, you know, just, that's what we call these guys now. We all know who they are. Uh, they did say that there's double digit clients and PCs. Uh, that was confirmed by Intel previously. Uh, they did say there's weakness in gaming. That was confirmed by Intel. Well, that's actually being confirmed by pretty much everybody. But here's what's really important uh, they gained a record amount of share. It just a huge amount of share in everywhere against Intel. Xilinx was up 20%. They bought that. And I think that they are going to um, blow away the last quarter of the year. Look, it's true. If I were in the PC business, I would uh, be very worried. But I think that because she has this five nanometer, we have to remember that it's kind of like, you know, the TV. If you want to buy the ones for TVs and for cars, those are 25. Those are these big, stupid nanometers. This stuff is she's so far ahead of everybody else that all I can say is go sell it. Be my guest. Go bet against Lisa Sue. Have fun. Knock yourself out. I'll see you on the asphalt. <laughs> the street is definitely um focused on PCs. Ray J goes to 130. They were at 160. And Lisa Sue talked about PC weakness last night. We have um, taken a, a more conservative outlook um, on the PC business. So um, a quarter ago, you know, we would have thought that the PC business would be down, um, let's call it high single digits. And um, our current view of the PC business is that it will be down, um, let's call it mid-teens. And uh, that's contemplated into um, our third quarter guidance. All right. So I assume you'll expand on this with her tonight. Yeah. Look, I mean, third quarter. Yeah, she guided down third quarter. She didn't guide down fourth quarter. I mean, if I were in the stock of HP Inc., I would be concerned. Uh, and I do like very much. I like Enrico Lourdes very much, the CEO. But I really think that there's a lot of people who feel, and my charitable trust owns this, we've owned this forever, that this was the beginning of a weak quarter. And instead, what I'm saying is because they have the right size chip, there'll be an acceleration in the fourth quarter. And the people who are short set enough to sell it off at PCs don't realize that that's one of the reasons why she bought Xilinx. 
PCs, I, I, I myself am surprised that they could be this bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people are just saying, hey, listen, PCs are in It's when you work at home. And it was almost like it dovetailed with the New York Times piece yesterday, which talked about how the middle of the country is coming back to work, so you don't need another PC. Right. But uh, I, I just think that, that Lisa was being very uh, controlled in her words about PCs, and she was more negative. She may be under-promising. <laughs> I was going to say, I was waiting, she may be waiting for the U-Pod. Yeah, and, you know, and people know that the stock was up 2% yesterday. Uh, but look, there's always people who want to call top in the semis. And AMD, NVIDIA, and Marvell Tech have been ones that are down a great deal. Uh, versus Qualcomm. My chapter also is all these because we really believe. Uh, Qualcomm, which was barely, uh, you know, Qualcomm's held up really well here. Right. But that's 5G. But it does sound like you would avoid a basket of, say, Logitech, Best Buy, HP. You know, what a great question. Because Logitech did say that they saw a bottom in gaming hardware. Uh, you know what? I, I have to tell you, I think that Best Buy, that, that dividend is safe. They did think that the gaming cycle wasn't going to end until next year. They were wrong on that. 4.72% with very good management of the supply chain by Corey Barry. I would buy, I would buy Best Buy. All right. All right. Move into some. HP, uh, no. Yep. Moving to some restaurants. Starbucks, uh, quite a quarter um, as we get uh, 84 beating 76. Comps up three was a little light, but when China's down 40, what are you going to do? I went back and forth with, with, uh, with Howard last night. I don't know Howard's, I don't know. I'm not going to say since he was born. We were going back and forth about things that happened in New York in the 60s and 70s. But this was an amazing quarter. First of all, he's reconfiguring the stores. He recognizes the cold brew is now what's, is what's really important. Second, these numbers, ex-China, were extraordinary. Third, he's doing his listening tour, talking with everybody. They're going to change the formats. I think that this was the beginning of the next leg Starbucks. And as I told Andrew in the previous show, my charitable trust, we have a big meeting tomorrow. I have to put this in the bullpen. It was too extraordinary. I, I gotta tell you, Howard was the old Howard. It was a well-orchestrated conference call. I told him it was like, when I was growing up, there was this fellow, Milton Cross. Milton Cross was the person you listened to to understand the opera, if you didn't understand. It was for legendary Metropolitan Opera, of course, brought to you by Texaco. And I would listen rap to Milton Cross to understand what the opera meant. I was wrapped last night to Howard what it meant for the sea change. Yep. Oh, my. I felt like at the end I wanted to don a green apron. <laughs> well, orange, by the way, in Mexico. Orange is Home Depot. Uh, no, in Mexico. In Mexico? Orange, yeah. Orange. I was like, where's the green apron? She said, no, this is Mexico. It was fascinating to listen to the CFO talk to Bullard on Squawk about how consumers are not only enraptured by cold brew, and cold beverages, but not yet willing to trade down. And this is what Schultz said about inflation last night. While we are sensitive to the impact inflation and economic uncertainty are having on consumers, it's critically important that you all understand we are not currently seeing any measurable reduction in customer spending or any evidence of customers trading down. Which kind of collides with what Yum said a few moments ago and that the low end is actually trading down quite a bit. And KFC missed, pizza missed. Yeah, pizza has been struggling. I go back to, I had Nestle CEO on last week. Nestle's got this deal with Starbucks. That, and both confirmed that deal is working incredibly well. Now, uh, Mr. Gibbs, Dave Gibbs on, on uh, Yum, give him some credit because Taco Bell 
is doing high single digits, and they've added a lot of units. I don't think Yum, I, you know, Yum, Yum is going to trade down because he didn't blow away things. But remember, they also had a Russia problem. Russia, FX. Yeah. Uh, Taco was tr- double the estimate. Taco Bell plus eight. Pizza Hut minus three in, tr- in true numbers. KFC minus one. I, I, I'm used to KFC being a, a little bit higher than that. Uh, but we the numbers were distorted. Uh, and Ru- Russia is a real problem. Uh, they were in Russia far more than I realized, far more than anybody realized. But they did add 780 gross units, meaning they're still putting them up. So if you think that uh, if you think that the stock should be sold, the customers think the stock should be bought. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell. Wow. Yeah, interesting, right? And speaking of consumer resilience, great interview with the Brian Chesky of Airbnb oh, last you. night. Can you explain this morning on the guidance? How bookings and revenue uh, are not exactly matching on the guidance. There was such a mismatch in everything. The cash flow, right? The cash flow was. Yes. You know, we were looking for. He did a billion in cash flow in the previous quarter. He was very proud of that. And now he came back to 800. Um, earnings per share were terrific. Um, I don't see the tepid bookings. What I what I heard was that the bookings are changing a great deal, going back to city. That was something that Seema Modi asked me to ask him, and I did that. That was a great question by Seema. They're moving back to the city. I tried to nail him on the idea that once you're done with working at home, people work at home tend to trade around Airbnb. He counted with the fact that his app, which is extraordinary, is now changing the way people take a vacation. I came away thinking that Airbnb was very strong. Now, people didn't want that. People felt that the stock should go down. But I, can I remind you, the stock was a big ahead of the quarter. Right. But, you know, take Dara, who is here. And, and Dara talked about Uber when he said they changed the goalposts. They want us to go for free cash flow. Well, Chesky changed the goalposts. I thought they were going for free cash flow and said they went for earnings. And there are a lot of people who feel like, well, wait a second, buying back shares, that means they're done growing. False construct. I think it was a strong quarter. I think he's doing quite well. And remember, we don't have a lot of travel in Europe, which is going to be extraordinary for him. Look, go sell it. I think it's a very good quarter. That's a couple times now you've said yeah, that. I dare they, you. Well, I, dare, these, I double dare you. These quarters were very good. I mean, now we're all, you know, all we do is talk about inflation. And by the way, have you ever noticed that when you ask people about inflation, they won't give you a single instance of what's being inflated? <laughs> Not a single instance. Like, well, how about cardboard? No. How about polyethylene? Uh, oh, you know, no. eggs. I could, people, aluminum? Th- no. people throw out, da- you know, dairy and eggs. Groceries. Yeah, well, uh, dairy and eggs and go to... Costco, they've got it. They've got that two million chicken ramp. Uh, now there should be the, the trade down is not real trade down. The trade down is from supermarket to Costco. Now, if you think Costco is trade down, I think that you've just discovered an experience that you should have been using a long time ago. Costco's numbers are very, very good, very strong. I, I did like uh, what Chesky told you, and that is when you go to a traditional hotel website, you know what you want. Wasn't that great? In Airbnb, he, I think he said they're in the inspiration business because they're offering you ideas of what your vacation right, may look I mean, like. One of the things, you know, my daughter was going to set up a treehouse hotel. Okay. Um, and they have, like, do you want to go into a treehouse hotel? Well, they have the vertical treehouse hotel. That, I think, is exciting. There are some tremendous treehouse hotels in Oregon and Northern California. And, you know, so that's what you, you get that. I mean, instead of thinking, I want to go to a hotel in Northern California, you say, you know what, I want to go to Northern California. Where would I like to stay? You go there, and it's like treehouse. You say, I've discovered something new. Yes. Now, people may be laughing at me. 
And I don't blame you one bit because I think Trios Hotels are pretty ridiculous. But I do know that he mentioned it as being something with Trios Hotels. Yeah. There are some luxury Trios Hotels. You know, four-star. Uh, I have no doubt. They're, right. I mean, I don't know. How many stars does the bear get? <laughs> Questionable. Right. Um, well, we'll watch all those uh, earnings, and there's a lot more to get to later on this morning as well. As for the broader market, so we did have St. Louis Fed President Bullard on Squawk today. He did talk about recession fears. Take a listen. With all the job growth in the first half of the year, it's hard to say that there was a recession. And with a flat unemployment rate at 3.6 percent, it's hard to say there's a recession. The second quarter, I think, was uh, more concerning. And so I'll watch that carefully. But now what I think is going to happen in the second half of the year is that uh, uh, we'll get positive GDP growth in the second half. I think uh, we'll have a, a reasonably good third quarter here. Coming out of the Powell presser last week, Jim, a lot of people said, just wait, the Fed speak's going to run hawkish, and whether it's Mester, Daly, Kashkari, Bullard, that's what we get. Well, I think it's smart to run hawkish. Why should you pretend that it's peaked? Uh, you probably have to do another 50. Uh, that's what the, I think the two-year says. City says 75 still today. I, I don't think they're going to use 75 because I think by that point, it's what I'm talking about is going to be obvious to everybody, that we'll have gluts throughout the system. I mean, right now we have gluts. In, I mean, go back to Walmart. We have gluts in everything at the retail level. Uh, we will have, now that the semiconductors are no longer needed in Europe, because the supply of the number of cars being made in Europe is dropping dramatically. So those semiconductors are fungible. They will come here. Uh, we know that uh, if you decide to not export gasoline uh, or crude, our gasoline can come down even with crude not going down. So uh, food, the large part of food is packaging. Every part of the packaging of food is coming down. It is only a matter of time before one or two of these companies breaks form and say, listen, we're going to use the big margin we have to go to major supermarkets. We're going to cut the price. Right. And post-raising brand is going to take share from General Mills and Kellogg. General Mills and Kellogg are 29 and 30 percent. Post is 18 percent. If they if they lower the price of the liner board and the insides are already lowered, then what they'll do is say, you know what, we want to go BOGO. We'll go BOGO. Buy one, get one. Because why do we, we need to take share. So people forget. Everyone keeps saying, well, we'll never cut prices. No, the weak guy decides to take share. That's how it happens. Why do you think that one day they're charging five bucks for cereal and then the next day it's buy one, get one? It's because there's always one guy that wants share. It's the way the business just, works. Just, just wait till this starts to happen in airlines uh, once Labor Day finishes and summer exactly. vacations. Exactly. I mean, you know, why is it? There's always this, well, they never lower price. Are you kidding me? That's all they, Colgate and Crest have been in a price war forever. As soon as one raises price because of TIO2, the whitener, uh, they needed to raise price. The other guy says, I'll take share. This is a competitive market. People keep acting it's like, well, let's go get in a room and fix price. Well, there's a thing called the Sherman Antitrust Act, which says 10 years in jail if you do that. <laughs> you want to go 10 years in jail? You want to beat the numbers. Right. Well, doesn't it all still come down to labor? We're going to get claims tomorrow. J.P. Well, Morgan says if we get 275, then you can start talking about an actual recession uh, well, developing. Okay, so let's say it's labor. Um, let's say you get a, a text message from, say, a large brokerage. Let's say, Robin, let's say you get Amazon. You think Amazon's really done 100,000? They, they probably added 300,000 too many. Uh, name me a, a West Coast company that is hiring of the Titans. Or slow, and, and then you start thinking, OK, well, these venture capital firms, they don't have any more money coming in. So I come back and say it's just an engine. It's a different kind of layoffs. 
It's white collar, not blue collar. And white collar matters because we have become a white collar country. So I think that these guys should keep the saber rattling. They should do another 50 basis points. But we have to recognize that the layoffs are coming everywhere. Except for not where you, they're not in tool and die. Right. We're used to layoffs coming in factories. That's just not going to happen. We should get used to layoffs at places that do business in securities and places that make things that are software oriented. Like there's, I'm not talking about that software company that's now $300 billion that came public the other day at nothing. I am talking about software as a service is something. If I work at software as a service right now, all I can say is I better have a backup plan. So it sounds like you think in the wake of Goldman's quarter that the return of Rift Days reductions in force, that's coming. Oh, yeah. Now, having done a couple of rifts myself, which, by the way, are terrible. Okay, you want to rift yourself when you rift. Uh, if you're one of these companies that w- thought that you could do a secondary in the market uh, that came public in the last three years, all I can have to say is good luck. You won't be able to. I look at a Weber and a Traeger. Why? Because my Weber didn't work this weekend. You can get a divorce from that. And I've been there, done that, so I'm not doing that again. There. That's a statement and a half. You can take that to the bank. But I do think that we all got them. We all got a Weber or a Traeger or the one that's an egg or whatever. Yep. I don't yep. know. Yep. Clorox reports. Let's talk about the Kingsfords. Uh, usually, a, a, yeah, big, uh, a big report. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch for that. You mentioned cars a moment ago, and Ford uh, does have auto sales out for July. For that, we'll turn to Phil LeBeau. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. This is a big number for the month of July for Ford. Compared to a year ago, sales were up 36.6%. Now, temper any enthusiasm you have about that number when you consider that in July of last year, sales were down 31%. That's the choppy market we're in because of the chip crisis as we came out of the pandemic. Still, 36.6% uh, is a healthy increase relative to a market that uh, has been struggling right now in terms of overall sales. EVs is what people will be focused on. Their EV sales up 168%. Yes, it's coming off a small base, but clearly there's momentum there, especially when you take a look at their market share. They say that they have hit 10.9% market share. And we've talked about this, guys, that you'll see Ford and GM start to pick up greater market share as they ramp up production. The Mach-E sales top 4,900. F-150 Lightning sales 2,173 in the month of July, uh, a healthy increase there. And then you've got the overall F-Series sales. They, they lump the, F-Light, the Lightning in with F-Series overall. F-Series sales overall up 21.1%. So there's a take a look at uh, shares of uh, GM and Ford. Bottom line is this, guys. As Ford prioritizes EV sales and EV production, Jim, we're going to see those numbers quickly increase. Mach-E sales this year, I think they topped 22,000. So that's what we're going to see now with the F-150 Lightning as well. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting, Phil, that when Jim Farley was on Mad Money, he basically said that every single EV, actually most of the models of everything, are on allocation and you can't get one. So Correct. It, don't you think that the more chips they have, the numbers are going to keep going up? Because, I mean, look, I waited a year for my Maverick, uh, six months for Bronco, I mean, these things are absurd. The numbers are going to jump big, Phil, when they finally get the chips. Well, it's not just chips, Jim. Remember, it's battery production, too. They're in the midst of bringing on several battery plants as well as final assembly plants. So we will likely see over the next two years, let's say three years, let's go through 25, you'll see a dramatic increase in production and sales of EVs at Ford. I have no doubt about that at all. 
But there's going to be some choppy periods, Jim, because the battery production, it just doesn't go up linear. It hasn't with any of the automakers, and it won't with Ford or GM. There will be periods where it jumps up a lot, other periods where it won't jump as much. So that's going to be what people are watching. How smooth is the transition to EV production? They're in the ramp-up phase right now, um, but if you want one, Jim, as you know, you're waiting at least, at least until the end of next year for a Lightning, if not into 24. I, I did Great notice, report. guys, um, Adam Jonas uh, took Ford to 14. Uh, last night, although Jimmy also mentioned, you know, in the wake of Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, that the face of the battery race is changing. And yeah. for that, you have to look at Tesla, which has a higher exposure oh. to China than any automaker. And Ford made a big deal with a Chinese company for batteries. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, strengthened the hand of President Xi, whose hand was weakening, because now he's playing the nationalist card. So it was a very, I believe, it was a very ill-advised trip. And now there's reverberations for American industry that didn't need to be. Obviously, if you're uh, David Calhoun waiting for that big Boeing order, uh, I think you're going to keep waiting. Uh, yeah. Although, I will add, uh, B of A this morning said we got some uh, food export suspensions to Taiwan on their part. Obviously, military drills. But they said the bite after that, not much no. as she left. It's just that I, I don't really care as much about the bite as the idea that she, with, with what's going on in the property markets, what's going on with the incredibly slow economy, yeah. what's going on with COVID, maybe had a chance to be less powerful. But now he's saying, listen, uh, we got to exert our nationalist tendencies here, auto autocratic, as, as, as uh, the speaker said. And, well, geez, this was a chance to really make it so that he was in trouble. She. Birth rates uh, weakening. Economic growth trouble. is a huge miss. He's not in trouble now. Because, oh, because he's playing some kind of nationalism. We made him stronger. How the heck did we make him stronger? It's, it's on us. I'm Shame not, on us. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the, I'm, I don't know. People are looking, look at uh, FT got a piece on Samsung rethinking their exposure to well, China that, because of the chips act. That's true, but we were, you know, got a big meeting coming up. Look, she is our, I just, look, I, it's a Cold War opponent. He might as well be Stalin, okay? And we don't want Stalin strong. We want him weak. Yeah. We'll see. A lot of, lot of uh, cross-currents, obviously, yes. um, in the wake of her visit as she's now left. When we come back, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll get a countdown to the opening bell. Still got to get to PayPal, Match, Regeneron, Gilead, SoFi, CVS, and Hood. Futures are green. We're back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All the hawkish Fed speak of the last 24 hours has the short end back to 
3-1 and a pretty deep inversion on two's tens, about 30 basis points. We'll get Harker today, Daly again, uh, Barkin and Kashkari this afternoon. Futures are green, though, for the moment. Uh, and, of course, don't forget, anytime you can catch our podcast, uh, anytime, anywhere, just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Opening bells in five minutes. As we wait for the opening bell, let's get Kramer's mad dash. A lot of good news, PayPal. Uh, Chapel Trust uh, unfortunately took a loss in this because it just kept going down and they kept having problems with eBay and the separation. Those problems seems to have run their course. But more important, I think, is uh, the, uh, the stake that we know that LA Partners has taken. They've taken $2 billion. Remember, they're also the largest shareholder in Pinterest. Uh, these two companies had thought to combine. It didn't work. I think that Elliot is trying to evaluate their role. Now, Dan Schulman, the CEO of PayPal, said they have excellent relationship. Dan Schulman is a gen- gentleman, so I'm sure that he will take into account everything pay- uh, Elliot wants for PayPal. But the fact is, is that what a great idea to merge them. Also, PayPal, the cadence was good. Each month got better, which makes me feel that at last this overhang from eBay is done. So very good quarter. Upgraded by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have given up on PayPal, and they did well. Yeah, $15 billion buyback doesn't hurt. Uh, nope. Truist today goes from 80 to 108. We haven't seen right. that kind of action in a while. No, and uh, price target raised by Morgan Stanley, Evercore, uh, Wells Fargo raises it. And I just think that uh, when you look at what he's done, Credit Suisse raised, it's rather amazing that he pulled himself out of this tailspin. Because they also named uh, a fellow by the name of Blake Jorgensen from Electronic Arts to be CFO. Remember, they lost their CFO, Rainey, to uh, Walmart. That's quite a move. We'll see if it holds here as we get the opening bell. And the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board, the Professional Fighters League, ahead of Friday's playoff. And at the NASDAQ, NYC and Company, the official destination marketing convention and visitors bureau for New York City five boroughs. It's been actually, it's been nice to see tourism rebound in this city. Yes, I mean, it was so interesting that one of the big raps, again, of, of, uh, of Airbnb was that they didn't have enough rooms in big cities. Uh, and it's, it's just at a time when people know that if you go to big city, you can see things again. Everything's open in New oh, York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is, uh, as long as, as uh, Chesky can get rooms, CEO of Airbnb, in these cities, they're going to sell out. It's a, what he was calling as a virtuous circle. So, yeah, New York is very much back. There's a look at Airbnb. As we said earlier, uh, they do get above on revenue for the quarter. Bookings, though, still imply growth of about 25, streets in the 30s. And there right. had been some discussion that after Hilton and Marriott that these guys might have better guidance at least. Yeah, well, we did. Uh, there was a, a banter with me with, uh, with Chesty about Marriott versus Airbnb. And there is a notion that they, not, they are not in the same business. And that's that experiential thing. Now, a lot of people at home say, oh, come on. A hotel's a hotel's a hotel. Gertrude Stein. No. I mean, if Chesky has an experiential view, Chesky's been right all along. People, he's been way ahead of everybody. People kept doubting him. I remember one day he called me. He had to lay off a lot of people. He said, what's it like to lay off a lot of people? Like, I, like the king of layoffs. And, <laughs> and, and the answer is, is that you have to grin and bear it. And he has been such a great CEO. I really, I really do admire him. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, no knock on Marriott at all. 
Marriott's done terrifically. Now, we all miss Arnie Sorensen, but uh, Tony Capiano's done very, very good job. Uh, meanwhile, a bunch of names uh, that sort of bring us back to the COVID days. Uh, Moderna today is going to be one of your S&P leaders. We were mentioning CVS a moment ago, Jim. Uh, that's going to be the highest price since basically May? Well, uh, Moderna did a giant buyback. We've all been waiting for them to do something with their market. CVS is such a great executioner versus Walgreens that we keep thinking, well, when is Walgreens going to get it together? But CVS, they're not just necessarily taking shares. It's just that when you go in there for a vaccine, you tend to come out with something. Uh, Walgreens, it seems like you come, go in and like you just get the vaccine, you go. Now, of course, the Walgreens that I've been into in San Francisco, people go in, they come out uh, with things, but they fail to pay. And I have often had to say to the, to, the cash, to the cash register, do you mind? I'm thinking of paying. And they nod as if like, well, it's great that you're willing to participate in commerce. <laughs> right. You get something, you give something. Yeah, you've yeah. been pretty vocal. Now, on. Well, there's a Walgreens I went to in Florida, in Delray, where I said to the, to the cashier, I said, I don't think that person, that person, that person has paid. And she said, well, you missed that person. They have rigor. They know who's stealing. Yeah. It would be better to prevent it. Yeah, no, it's a problem. Uh, adding on to those, uh, that group of names, Regeneron, up 5%, Jim. All right, let's talk the about beat. that. I'll, even though um, COVID revenue coming in, but they still beat on, on the top line. Okay, I think the hidden current of Regeneron is that they succeeded in an anti-prostate cancer early on study. It's something that, that I, I've got to tell you came just when Merck failed at Keytruda prostate cancer. Merck put out a note this morning, and uh, Regeneron got the other half of this uh, Keytruda drug, very cheap, uh, of their Libtiod combination. This is very good and must be watched because a lot of people have said, well, you know what, Len, he had his thing, and Duplexin was not as good as No, I think that if he has something that really works for prostate cancer, it's very big, particularly because Keytruda failed. And it made me, made me think, oh, Merck C-Gen, the old Seattle Gen. Yep. If, if, I was very surprised that Keytruda, the, the Merck announcement was very bad. Yeah, uh, Keytruda's had a couple of phase three failures. This one's on prostate cancer. I was shocked at this. I thought the, key, I thought the Keytruda would work. But what do I know? I, just, I, don't, I don't even play a doctor on TV. But I do think the Lynch Lifer had a very, very good series of, uh, of things today in his, uh, in his report and that they are a very fine company, and that Merck should be down more because of this key trade miss. We've been talking about um, lately, and we're about uh, two-thirds of the way into earnings season, how those who have missed have not been punished as much as before. But Incredible. Match is going to be our blow-up of the morning. Well, I mean, Match is really interesting because it's almost everything. I mean, everything kind of went wrong with Match. And I, I look at the numbers, and I think, wow, I, but, Things are open. People are going out again. Yep. Revenue uh, miss. Revenue per user new, miss. Some new CEO, uh, a new division head. They guide below. Yep, they guide below. And they do say we need our new, we need to give our team some time to yep. start to develop De- execution. Deceleration revenue, slowdown in hiring, negative free cash flow. Tinder not doing that well. Big impairment. Uh, you know what? Uh, no, I could light a match under that thing. That was just a very, very disappointing quarter. I was going back and forth with Dominic Chu at 5 a.m. about how this was. Yeah, this is the mystery stock. And I said, oh, no. Okay, what went from 70 to 60? Now, I know a lot of people who met each other on Hinge. 
And that's really all I have to say about it. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. You're going to stop there? Yeah, because I don't think it, it, I think it's salacious to go beyond that and it doesn't help anything. It doesn't move the ball, so to speak. How about uh, SoFi? Two month high here. Oh my, Back can you seven. believe it? I mean, and he hasn't even texted me yet. I mean, you know, I, I expected the usual text for like, you know, that they open. No, I just probably don't have my phone. That's probably why. <laughs> because uh, uh, Anthony Noto always texts me if somebody opens an account. <laughs> I like Anthony. He's my banker who brought the street.com public. Uh, but the fact is, is that that was a very good number. I think we're going to talk to him at 11 on Tech Check. Oh, I hope so. Yep. Because yep. I, I have more man money. You do? No, just oh. kidding. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Twice in one day. <laughs> that would be that would set a new precedent. Would be a new record. Yes. yes. Um, no, we'll watch that though. Uh, SoFi, a pretty pretty good game there. Uh, as we Deservedly, said, that was a months. very big uh, a number of accounts that opened. Look, I don't want you. I mean, the numbers have not been great from SoFi. This was the breakout quarter, and I think that the stock's going to go higher. And I think you got to congratulate him. He comes on because it's been it's been a kind of a tough slog for him of late. Yeah. Also at a two month high this morning is Hood, uh, despite the revenue miss and the MAU miss. Uh, they're going to lay off, as we said, 23 percent after laying off 9 percent before. Bill Gurley, actually, with a pretty interesting tweet last night saying, if you're going to do it, just do it once. Don't do it a little bit and then have to do it again more. And that's what Vlad's uh, post was largely about last night. That is an absolutely great point. Uh, I would say after I spoke to them, they still had inflows. But the obvious, the customers are being crushed. I don't think there's anyone who want to buy them, even though they have a very healthy, really large cash position. What bothers me is they're talking about expanding crypto. And yet when I spoke to Vlad, he was talking about being tough on crypto. Now, Coinbase has 200 cryptos. The SEC obviously hates that and wants that to be an exchange. The SEC may lose out to the CFTC, which seems to be much more buddies. So there is this, like, clash of the titans between one severe regulator and one regulator that may look the other way. Mm. And within it, you have to police it yourself. And I was hoping that Vlad Tenet was going to police it. But now it sounds like they have to put more coins because they need more customers. How about uh, MicroStrategy? A sailor moving to executive chair, says he's got his next job is going to focus on Bitcoin. They do take a pretty sizable charge uh, on a stake where I think their cost basis yeah. is still in the 30000 range. Yeah, I mean, I, he's been so ill-advised that, uh, it, but, you know, look, I mean, it's telling. The stock goes up. I mean, I, it, that's a referendum in itself that a stock goes up when you step up. I mean, I've often found that. When, some, when a stock goes up, when someone steps aside, yep. that's the market making a cruel and severe judgment. Right. Also, we haven't mentioned yet uh, the Solana wallet hack. Oh. It seems like there's one a week. Yeah, well, right? I mean, you look at these things, and the idea that this is anything... There was one that was a Ponzi scheme. But God, the SEC did yes. this incredibly great. Like, they had, like, the crypto champions. Did you read them? And there was absolutely nothing to it. It would be like, look, if you can... Rec- it was all mid-level, middle-level marketing, MLM. Uh, Solana is not something that I recommend to my friends. We have really seen, I, no, look, I, let me speak to Mike Novogratz. But there is absolutely, he's a big tip. There's absolutely a sense of crypto going wild. And yet when you say that, you're under attack by the cryptomaniacs. And I think that we all have to admit that it's not as secure as we thought. I begged to get my money out after I sold my Ethereum. And my prayers were answered by a higher power. (laughs) And I don't know who that was or what it was, but I can't fix it. I didn't cause it and I can't cure it. 
Uh, you see some headlines here on oil. Uh, it did jump, but now it's actually gone back into the red. Uh, reports were for 100,000 barrel per day production hike, which is a little bit less than some had expected, Jim. That said, gas prices three month low. We're back to 416, uh, down for 49 straight days. Big piece in the journal on what gas prices have done in this country. Yeah, oil does want to go down. The technicians have all uh, piled on it. And it, it. But I would say that if you had oil up, the quarter that we got from Pioneer PXD may have been the best quarter of the S&P 500. Uh, the stock's even up despite oil because uh, Scott Sheffield said basically, look, I'm raising my dividend again. I'm raising it again. I mean, this thing yields 15%. Scott Sheffield is money. He's been the best. He's also been very good on ESG. I know people are very scared of these buckets. But PXD is, and this is my charitable trust, sells at six times earnings. Uh, he's a remarkable man. He's a tough guy, too. And uh, I like him very much. And Scott did a terrific job. And if you want yield, you want income, Pioneer Natural is, is for you. Uh, Pioneer was, yeah, good results yesterday. Jim, overall, Holding 41.25, you got uh, the 20-day average and the 50-day average crossing, but elevating. I wonder how much you think this, if it is a bear market well, rally, how I, long it I can think, last. I think that what will really kill it is there's going to be someone from the Fed who just says, you know what, I've been watching it and I think it's a head and shoulders pattern. It's not right. <laughs> well, because these guys, what are they trying to do? And they come on and they, you know, so, oh, well, oh, there was someone this morning who talked about she went into the supermarket and she didn't like the prices. Well, there you go. There was you that, go. Was that daily? Was yeah. That, yeah. Oh, this should be. A, well, how about the fact that it's the packaging? It's not. The grains are down. The packaging's down. The paper's down. The trucking costs are down. But she went definitively went to the supermarket. I got to tell you. Chaos in aisle five. Can we please have a more rigorous process than someone going to the supermarket? Hey, I went to the checkout. I couldn't wait. Everyone was glum. We're actually going to revisit um, things you've said about the Fed actually 15 years ago today. Well, I think that would be good when we came back. Yeah, after a break. Let's take a short commercial break. In the meantime, we'll take a look at the bond report. Actually got the two-year yield declining a touch, still above uh, 3%, 3 3.07. And the 10-year hanging out just south of 2.8. We're back in a moment. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. 
Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rick Santelli here live at CME HQ with the first of a bit of breaking news. Uh, S&P Global Services and Composite Purchasing Manager Index. These are the July final reads. So 47.0 on services moves up three-tenths to 47.3. However, it's still the weakest level since May of 2020, over two years. Our final read on the composite, 47.7. Two-tenths better than the mid-month read, which was 47.5. And just like the services PMI, this is the lowest level of more than two years, going back to May of 2020. Of course, we have the ISM services PMI coming out at top of the hour, so we can do a bit of a comparison as yields popped yesterday on Tough Talk, but they're already easing back from their highest levels. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. My people have been in this game for 25 years, and they are losing their jobs, and these firms are going to go out of business, and he's nuts. They're nuts. They know nothing. Kramer. I have not seen it like this since I went five bid for a half a million shares of Citigroup when I got hit in 1990. This is a different kind of market, and the Fed is asleep. Well, they were. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you you wait, the minutes came out, it just said laugh. And then the actual. It did have, in in brackets, Right, and then the transcript comes out, and I was ridiculed. Of course, that was the worst time. It was right on the cusp. I was trying to wake them up. I completely failed. Uh, I've been often uh, vilified as a person who didn't see it coming and pilloried for that by some conventional media. Uh, The next day, by the way, um, someone who used to host the Today Show had me on to ask me if I was off my meds. Uh, He, too, is no longer quite involved in the media as I am now. And I do think that what's happened is, is that when you look back at the time, you might think, well, did I see it coming? And the answer is uh, full of hubris, yes. Yeah. I, I, we, we, we talk about this clip every uh, August 3rd, but right. I, I always like to ask you, did you go into it thinking, I'm going to I'm gonna level this hammer? Or no. Was it, was it really spontaneous? No, it was in, we into it. The topic, we often give the topic before about what we're talking about. I mean, we're going to talk about Procter & Gamble pricing. But I had just gotten off the phone with a CEO of a major brokerage firm that did go under. And I went and I had just talked to the CEO of a major mortgage company, the largest mortgage company, one of the most, uh, one of the largest brokerage companies. And they just said, please, please help us. You got to say something. We're going to have to lay everybody off. If you're the only person get through, you have credibility. Um, And again, um, I spent time on the cross because I was trying to wake them up. Uh, But John Stewart made fun of me as the guy who knew the least, which was very embarrassing to my family, to my daughters. Uh, I'll never forget that. Uh, because it was just a shame, because I was really trying to wake people up, uh, and I was ridiculed by pretty much everyone. And uh, it was a tough time for me. And in retrospect, I've often thought, I should have said, Jim, I should have said what, nothing. What we've come to learn is that it's classic uh, bear market behavior, is right. going after those who comment on markets. Right. And, you know, I was very much the poster boy, and I think if you listen to that, you may think that that was a wrong call to make me the poster boy. But, yeah, I look, I, I have... Uh, I have no illusions about what my job was that day. My job was to bring attention to it in the same way when I said on the Today Show that if you have any money in the market, and the market was considerably higher, I want you to take it out. And then I disappeared from the Today Show. Now, these are things that happen in life. I'm 67 years old. I've seen a lot. Many of my friends were laid off. And I felt like that I was the one person who could say something 
without, uh, without any sort of uh, retribution. I was completely wrong, and people who try to speak the truth in this country understand you are going to pay the price from people who are far more powerful than you and can ridicule you every day. But the secret is put your pants on the next day and come to work <laughs> and say the hell with them. And that's exactly what I've done all my career. It's a good reminder. Uh, we like looking at that clip, guys. Uh, it Dow's up 225. Let's uh, bring in our Bob Bassani this morning. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Uh, this uh, furious blitzkrieg by Fed officials, including Jim Bullard this morning on our air, uh, pushing back against the idea that the Fed would be ending its rate hike program towards the end of the year is not dropping the stock market. And you can see here today, I just want to show you the S&P 500. Remember, we were in a trading range, 3,600 to 3,900 for a couple months. Now we're in a new trading range in this 4,000, 4,100. And we're trying to break out even towards 4,200. And it's being led by the cyclical groups, largely the growth groups. So Kathy Wood's ARK Fund's been doing very well the last couple of months. Uh, we've seen uh, tech in general do very well. Semis are down today because of AMD. But uh, They've also been rallying back. Uh, other growth areas like communication services have come off the lows. And consumer staples have generally tended to lag in the last couple of weeks in this kind of environment. So it's, the market wants cyclicals and growth stocks uh, to come back into the market. Uh, as far as the earnings go, I keep saying no earnings recession. Q2 estimates are going up not down. Now, Q3 and Q4 estimates uh, were in 8% range. They have come down a bit, but not dramatically. And we're 70% through earnings season. So the bottom line is, overall, for the S&P 500, no earnings recession so far. We have seen key stocks like Amazon and Consumer Discretionary, Meta and Computer communication services, their numbers have been coming down for the whole year. They've dropped their sectors, but overall, no earnings recession. Uh, as far as the health of the consumer, we talked a lot about uh, Starbucks, Howard Schultz saying no reduction in consumer spending that we've been seeing. Uh, yes, and you can see this has been echoed by some other people. Uh, Chipotle, a couple of weeks ago, had a very similar comment here. Put that up here. This is uh, Chipotle executives. The majority of our customers are a higher household income consumer, and we've seen their frequency increase and potentially not experience some trade down. But to the extent Starbucks and Chipotle are higher end consumers, that's certainly true. McDonald's was uh, not so sanguine about this a couple of uh, weeks ago uh, on July 25th, Kevin Ozan said, we are seeing some trade down. We're seeing customers, specifically lower income customers, trade down to value offerings and fewer combo meals. So the obvious takeaway, and we saw this with, uh, with uh, Simon Property Group, is higher end still holding up, lower ends not. But this is really a complicated environment. I, I just want to put up the YUM CEO, David Gibbs, what he had to say here uh, today. I would say the U.S. demand is generally strong, but this is a very complex environment. And he went on to describe that it isn't quite as simple as just saying, the high-end consumer is still holding up in the low end, uh, that COVID, supply chains, China has uh, really made this a very, very difficult environment. He said it was the most complex environment he's ever seen. So, Carl, I think it's certainly useful for all of us to say high-end's holding up better than the lower end, uh, but there is an awful lot of really complex parts to this, and that's why the outcome uh, is still so very difficult to predict. Carl, yeah, back to you. Remarkable comments from Gibbs there, Bobby yeah. Wright. Uh, thanks, Papasani. Jim, what's tonight? Okay, uh, one of the best performing companies during the duration has been Thermo Fisher, TMO. 
Mark Casper, he's just doing, the stock's been just on a tear since he was, uh, it, it, since they reported it, and I think that's right because they know what to do post-COVID. And then the now controversial Lisa Sue, where the stock was down six, as there were people who I would normally call morons, but I've become much more of a statement than 15 years ago, ill-advised people, sold it down, down six points. I think all of me, the stock should be up because it was a great quarter. But you know what? They know nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry if I offended anyone by just describing what happened to me after, but... Uh, my wife says, why did you ever say it? You should never have said it. I said, because it was the truth. And she said, so what? Look what it did to you. And I said, I'm proud of it. And she goes, you have nothing to be proud yeah, of. Yeah, that's, that's one reason we turn to you, Jim, is because you don't pull the punch even though you know yeah, she what said, may be coming. She said, look, you took tremendous heat. What was the point? I said, the point was to help people, because that's what I try to do, because my boss is the audience. Jim. We'll see you tonight. Thank you. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When we come back, uh, we'll talk with MicroStrategy's Michael Saylor, leaving his role as CEO, transitioning to executive chair. Obviously, talk about the path ahead for Bitcoin and crypto. Markets up. Dow's up 222. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.